0: Hi, I'm Jessie Ware. I'm Lenny, and we're from the Table Manners podcast, and this week we're sponsored by Uniqlo. I'd really like to bring to your attention Uniqlo Airism. So, it's a base layer that releases heat and moisture to keep you feeling cool. So, Aerism fabric includes antimicrobial and deodorizing features to help you stay feeling fresh. And Airism's so lightweight and it's really, really super smooth, which stays invisible beneath the clothes. So you can wear this layer and still be really cool and it's soft it's really it soft. Soft, soft gorgeous so discover aerism now in uniqlo stores and online at uniqlo.com
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me is... Jeff Kanata. And joining us also, she is the senior writer at Vanity Fair. She's also my co-host on a Cast of Kings podcast, which is recapping Game of Thrones for its final season this year. Joanna Robinson, welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. How are you doing today, Joanna?
0: I'm doing so well. Hi, Dave. Hi, Jeff. So
2: happy hi. to be here. Hi. It's almost like it's the perfect time for you guys to remind people that there's a Game of Thrones podcast. It's such a coincidence.
1: What? (laughs) Yes.
0: What a uh, a crazy random happenstance.
1: So, if you uh, hadn't heard, Game of Thrones, one of the uh, biggest television shows of all time, is coming back for its final season uh, in a couple, in like six weeks or so, uh, five, six weeks from now. And uh, John Robinson and I will be there to recap it. So, yeah, uh, you should look forward to that at gameofthronespodcast.com John, are you how, how do you how are you feeling about the final season of uh, uh, game of thrones does it feel bittersweet to you
0: uh <laughs> that's that's the one word we're allowed to use um <laughs> yeah i mean i think it will it won't feel real honestly this is not just me kissing ass it won't feel real until you and i are podcasting about it Aww. again but i am doing like a lead up to the final season podcast project with my very fair colleague richard lawson where we're Picking our top 15 episodes, we've got a bunch of interviews that are going along with them, like actors, writers, directors, producers from the series on the podcast Still Watching. So Still Watching, colon, Game of Thrones is happening right now. It's all happening. All Thrones
1: all the time. <laughs> nice. This will dominate your life for the next uh, several months and possibly thereafter. So, uh, um, yeah. yeah, check out uh, that podcast. Prequel
2: series.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, and then also check out uh, uh, Cast of Kings, which you can find at Game of Thrones Podcast uh, dot com. Looking forward to that show as well. Um, and before we begin today's episode, right? Uh, a couple things you might have noticed. First of all, this episode's releasing early. Uh, very rarely we have the chance to record before a movie has come out. Uh, and this week we, we, we took that chance uh, because all three of us had seen Captain Marvel. Unfortunately, Divinder Hard Hardwar has not. That's why he's not here today. Uh, but we were able to record a special After Dark episode with him uh, that will be appended to the end of this episode of the Slash Filmcast. So wanted to get that out there. Uh, it won't have anything well,
2: to do with the movie. It doesn't I mean, have. That kind of made it seem like you said we. Oh, Got yeah, sorry, no, good,
1: good yeah. point, no, it, it has nothing to do with Captain Marvel, it's an after dark uh, about something completely inconsequential and of no importance to anyone, so, yeah. uh, just so, sure
0: uh, suffer through me and your reward <laughs> will be Devinder heart. That's correct.
1: That's exactly right. Yes. No, thank you. I'm glad you said it that way. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And also uh, because this episode is going to be releasing early, uh, there's going to be no Slash Filmcast next week. So um, we'll be back. Uh, well, stay tuned to hear. What we'll be reviewing the week after this, but um, yeah. So that's. This is next week. You're yeah, in this is next week. week. Right we're in next now. week. As we're recording, we're basically kind of in next week. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, but all that being said, all we are going to do today is talk about Captain Marvel. So let's get into it, shall we?
2: Space invasion, big car chase. Truth be told, I was ready to
0: hang it up till I met you today. So you're not from around here. It's hard to explain. I keep having these memories, I see flashes. I think I had a life here, but I can't tell if it's real.
2: No idea what threats are out there.
3: We can't do this alone. We need you.
0: I'm not what you think I am.
1: That was from the trailer for Captain Marvel, the newest. Film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Carol Danvers becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. Uh, We're going to be pretty non-spoilery in this opening segment of the podcast. Uh, Pretty non-spoilery. And then move into spoilers and dive more in depth into the film as usual. Uh
2: not just pretty non-spoiler, completely non-spoiler. Completely
1: non-spoiler. Yeah. I mean like other than that plot description and like a couple of character names, we're, we're, we're going to reveal very very little about uh, what's going on in this movie because there's a lot of a uh, lot of the stuff happens in this movie. Yeah. Um so uh here but here's the thing though. Here's what I am going to spoil. Okay? Whoa. I am going to spoil Avengers Infinity War, right? So before we even get into this, I'm going to spoil Avengers Infinity War cuz I think it's uh I'm going to say uh, I don't think it's really possible to talk about this movie or think about this movie without the context of Avengers Infinity War. So it's if you,
2: a prerequisite, yes.
1: If you haven't seen Avengers Infinity War, then go watch that movie. It's on a video demand right now. Come back to see, you know this podcast. Uh, but let me start with this, John Robinson. At the end of Avengers Infinity War, Thanos snaps his fingers, wipes out half the universe. Uh, and in a post-credit sequence, one of the better post-credit sequences in the MCU – uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character, Nick Fury, pulls out a, a modified beeper and appears to call Captain Marvel uh, for assi- what we assume is assistance at the time. And in the many months since that movie has come out, I've been really anticipating this Captain Marvel movie because uh, presumably Captain Marvel is the person that's going to be able to help humanity and the Avengers out of this terrible jam they found themselves in uh, where what Thanos a- has been victorious. Yeah. right? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's quite a pickle there. And so yeah. I've been super psyched. I've been like, okay, uh, this person is going to be not only a total badass, uh, but hopefully the movie will be very good. Uh, My so favorite thing
2: about <laughs> that, by the way, is that, uh, New York has been invaded multiple times, and uh, Samuel L. Jackson's like,
1: "Eh, you mean you mean prior to Infinity War, right?" Prior to Infinity War.
2: Right? I'm not gonna. I'm not. It's, this is a Captain Marvel level worry that I've got about what's going on. Yeah,
0: there's there. Like, I don't know. I don't know if we want to talk about the scene in the movie that is related to that, but um, in this movie, Captain Marvel. But yeah. like, see, I did. Re, I did rewatch the Avengers after watching Captain Marvel, and I was watching, it. And I was like this
2: is where he should have called her like right there. I mean, you don't even need (laughs) to talk about this movie. (laughs) Like literally the, the post credit sequence in, in, uh, infinity Borg, you can kind of come to that conclusion to be like, he didn't think it was, but I thought,
0: I thought, yeah, I mean, it's hard to talk about. I thought maybe there would be like, and there kind of is, I'm talking around it. What nonsense. Anyway, Mm. point being, despite whatever things they have put in place in this, uh, movie, which they needed to do to explain why yeah. this very powerful being had been gone for so long, and they do have some explanations in here. It's not enough to get me through my rewatch of the Avengers and be like, "Nope, I know <laughs> I don't think so."
2: It's but, a suspension of disbelief, right you yeah, know that's we, fair we, enough, yeah. that's
1: fair enough um but uh what what I was building to was it was basically like this is kind of um the first movie that has like a really truly uh, direct connection. Well, I, I guess you could count Ant Man and the Wasp as well. But like, uh, this is the one I was like, okay, this is the person that's going to like save these guys, probably, right? Uh, when I got to the end of Avengers Infinity War, and so my question for you, Jenna Robinson, is, uh, do you feel like this movie, Captain Marvel, lives up to that mantle? Do you feel like when you're watching this, you're energized going into Avengers Endgame? Did this movie do its job in that way?
0: Oh, um, I don't know that I was I was putting that pressure on it. Um, but does it, does it convince me that Captain Marvel could be, uh, a real threat to Thanos? Yes, Mm -hmm. uh, it does. So, um, in that way it did its job. I really liked this movie. It sounds like I liked it a bit more than you did and that's fine. But, um, you know, I, it's a movie that made me more thoughtful than like fist pumping yeah hell yeah Yeah. sort of thing do you know what i mean and so uh i i didn't come out being like oh i can't wait for endgame oh my god but i but i didn't come out with any sort of negative feelings about it except for like one or two moments i guess we'll get to all
1: right all right uh well i'm glad you enjoyed it jeff canada what did you think of captain marvel
0: well dave (laughs) i guess
2: you could say that my thoughts about captain marvel are best summed up in the form of a limerick.
1: Well, Jeff, I mean, um, Joanna hasn't been on the podcast in a while. Like, and maybe some oh. listeners are new. Like, she doesn't understand why you're doing this this limerick uh, bit. You know, this... I don't want to. I don't want to. Dave has uh...
2: mandated that every episode of the Slash Film Cast has a limerick, or he said he will quit the show. And uh, I believe there was. Physical violence threatened against uh, the, the hosts?
1: It's interesting. I don't recall any of that,
2: but, yeah. y- you know. Uh, <laughs> he gets very angry. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. He needs his okay. limerick f- fix, and I'm the only one stepping up to the plate. So, okay, okay. Uh, under threat, under under, under massive uh, duress, I present yeah. my limerick review mm-hmm. of Captain Marvel. Yeah. Can't believe they made a movie <laughs> featuring the <laughs> Skrulls and Kree. <laughs> Even so, I admit, my favorite bit is just hanging out with Bree.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, not not bad rhymes, Jeff, but just you're really just murdering the meter on some of these limericks, <laughs> I just got to say. Um, yeah, but like, 10 you're, out like 10. you're saying, I'm, I'm killing it. I'm killing it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're killing it in more ways than one, Jeff. Anyway, Thanks, Dave. Thanks 10, out
0: of, 10 out of 10 for enthusiasm.
1: <laughs> yeah, like 3 out of 10 for uh, movie- <laughs> putting, the, putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable as it were. Mm. Anyway, uh. go ahead, Jeff. What did you do <laughs> with them? <film?
2: laughs> uh, I had a great time with Captain Marvel. Um I think in in regard to how you presented the question to Joanna, I I kind of liken it to you know you're you're in the club when you're in the club and you're and the DJ is like and you're like just where's that drop where's that drop where the drop in this metaphor is. Avengers endgame, right? And mm-hmm. you're like, and you're like, oh, maybe Captain Marvel's gonna be that. Maybe we're gonna get maybe that Captain Marvel's gonna be that drop. And and what the what the DJ does instead is he goes, like he goes backwards. He goes backwards instead of giving you the drop. So, you know, we're still waiting for the drop, but this is Marvel going, okay, we're gonna fill in some backstory here. Yeah. Uh and uh I enjoy that, you know. I enjoy a good uh, a good DJ buildup. And um, I I had a lot of fun with this movie. Um, I think Brie Larson is a delight. I love her. I ha- I have loved her before this. I have loved her in I think everything she's ever done, and I think she's wonderful and charming, and one of my favorite actresses. And she's great in this part. And uh I think the interplay that she has with. Samuel L. Jackson is 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 fun. This is going to sound very out of character for me, but I will say I think some of the humor in this one is a little forced. Uh, I I shouted from the heavens on this show many, many times about how I'm so grateful for and love the humor that Marvel puts in its superhero films, and I am all for it. I mean – it's great that, that there's a levity to these movies, you know, in, 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 all all the time, even the dark ones. Um, but this is the first one where I was like, eh, I felt a little forced at times.
1: You're like the kid who got too much ice cream, Jeff. You, you know, you wanted the ice cream and now you got it. And uh, it's, it feels pretty forced. It doesn't feel that good. Does it? It doesn't maybe, feel like maybe, maybe, I still
2: like ice cream a lot though. Yeah. Um, maybe. And, and, and some of that some of it's, I mean, the, the movie's really fun. There are some, Excellent set pieces. I really enjoyed. Uh, there is good character moments. There's some unexpected turns that I didn't see coming. Um, especially the the turns are not only turns in this movie, but turns on Marvel lore, which is kind of fun. That it's like taking your expectations of of Marvel lore and kind of tweaking that a little bit, which is which is pretty cool. Um, it as a kid of the '90s, I love all the nineties stuff. It's, you know, it plays with that in a fun way. Uh, I appreciated the structure of this movie. They, they mess with, if this movie had, you know, come out around Iron Man or, or, you know, one of the phase one Marvel films, it would have been structured completely differently. And I like the fact that now we're sort of in mid to late game Marvel and they can, start with this cosmic crap that, you know, 10 years ago, people would have been like, what, but we can start cosmically in, in science fiction land and, uh, and they get away with it. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, it's a blast. And I I think most of it rests on Brie Larson's charm and, uh, great casting of her in this part. And, uh, I'm excited to see how she fits into the greater Avengers Marvel universe.
1: All right. Well, uh, glad to hear you enjoyed it as well. I thought this was, movie was solid, mid tier Marvel, probably in, like the upper edge of mid tier. Uh, probably like in the like if you if you take all the Marvel films ver- like and laid them out vertically in terms of quality, this is probably like one third. <laughs> this is like one third of the way down exactly. That's what I would say. Right? It's not um, in That's like not the bad. top of the top for me, but it is really solid. Um, are
0: there other are there other origin stories uh that you would place i mean other than Iron Man that you would place above this one i, mean, I, think, I, think, yeah, it's, I think it's I think it's fair to uh compare it to other origin stories because hmm. it has to do that lift do you know
2: i think, I, I think Captain America vs. avenger yeah you know exceed it for me
1: uh well it, I, th- I would say it's on par with that one like I, th- yeah, I think they're both about equal is what I would say i yeah. think
0: I mean, I know I liked Captain Marvel, I think more than the average viewer did. And I always need time to, like, let these movies settle into a ranking for me. Like it's kind of impossible to do it right out of the gate. That being said, Captain America, the First Avenger took a while for me to really appreciate like how good it actually is. I keep rewatching it every so often and I go, no, this one, it just keeps zooming up the ranks basically. So yeah, yeah. I don't know if this one will grow on me as well or not. Well, time will tell. Uh,
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And like, I literally just uh, came to record this podcast from the movie theater, Uh, The the movie ended forty minutes ago, right? So like I am, it's just like starting to percolate through my mind, and maybe in six months or even six hours, I'll feel differently about where it ranks. But right now, I feel like it's uh, right near the top third, uh, right about on par with Captain America: First Avenger, um, still lower than like Iron Man or like I don't know Captain America: Civil War, The Avengers, which are some of my favorite ones. Um, Hey Joanna, as far as origin movies, where do you put? Doctor Strange.
0: Pretty pretty low for me. Yeah. That one I I I really liked Strange in Infinity War. Um but uh, like for some reason that character didn't really stick to my ribs when I saw um, the origin story film is there a reason you <laughs>
1: asked that question Jeff or
2: I think that uh, it just occurred to me that that was another of my favorite origin movies <laughs> I thought it was I...
1: another thing Excellent. that Jeff liked uh, that, that Joanna didn't like yeah. um, no no yeah. I mean um,
0: uh, variety is the spice of life first of all second of all um, I think the the origin or or no I don't know where I was going to go with that sorry I lost it <laughs>
1: <laughs> alright fair enough uh, she was trying
2: to agree with me and then just couldn't. She was trying to find a, a place I couldn't do it. bring myself She's to meet like, you on any level. No, 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 it's fine, Jeff. Um it's uh
1: Nope. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I so I think that uh a lot of the, the stuff that we come to expect from Marvel films is solid, right? Uh the set pieces are solid. Uh, the kind of witty banter, the relationships between the characters are solid. Um, I, I think it's all just—it's all just very solid. I think the the storytelling does take a few shortcuts. Like characters show up at random places more than once without like any explanation of what's going on. I do think it it really like zooms through a lot of pretty. World altering revelations that occur in this movie, like universe altering revelations that uh, it doesn't feel like the characters in this movie should be prepared for, uh, but that they somehow are or that like, the movie kind of elides some of these portions of it that it just goes straight past them. Um, and so it, it does feel very brisk, even at two hours and four minutes, which is the runtime of the film. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I had good a good time with the movie. Go ahead, Jonah, what are you saying?
0: Um, I might ask you some specifics on the, on the zooming when we get to the spoiler section. Um, But I will say that uh, another thing that I appreciate about this movie is that it not only is it an origin story for Captain Marvel, but it is one for Nick Fury as well, right? Like Mm. this is, this is how Nick Fury becomes the kind of guy who would want to start something like the Avengers initiative. And um, I doing that, doing a dual origin story along with, um, doing an origin story that is told in piecemeal over the film, which is, you know, the man of steel approach. Like we've, we've seen that, you know, a few times now it's not like brand new, but it is, it is better than like, us just watching this linearly you know the the way that they mess with like memory and time and all of that i think is is a sophisticated step up uh in that direction yeah I so
1: a, a couple thoughts on that first of all uh, I, I really don't think it's giving away a spoiler to say that uh this movie takes place in the past right and that you see um young samuel L. jackson in the movie um and i, I just want to say that the de aging technology is absolutely incredible at this point. It is, uh, I don't know,
2: dude. I think most of that is Samuel L. Jackson.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Samuel L. Jackson looks like, incredible. He doesn't
2: age, he's you like know?
1: 70 years old and he looks amazing. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think they, I think they use some digital effects. And if uh, assuming that they did, it is incredible. <laughs> <I definitely did. laughs> it is, yeah, incredible. I mean,
0: he looks amazing. <laughs> Clark Gregg looks less so in yeah my I, I agree
1: it's less less good with Clark Gregg less but convincing like, I, I'm like I'm staring at Samuel L. Jackson's face yeah. the whole time he's on screen I'm trying to find where the seams are like I'm trying to find I'll like where you. it's not where they are where are it's they when he, it's when he runs <laughs>
0: that's what I was gonna say when he runs down a hallway you're like that's a 70 year old man like, oh exactly he, right yeah <laughs> yes. Yes,
1: yes fair I enough agree. fair enough see
0: uh, Jeff and I agree on plenty of things there
1: you go see? there you go <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, I-, I couldn't find the seams, uh, and they really didn't make it easy for themselves. You know, um, they have that character Nick Fury in a variety of lighting situations uh, that f- feel like pretty challenging to to do well with uh, a digital mask on or whatever he's doing there. And I just think it's incredible. So I thought it was very, very convincing. And Jeff, I think you were declaring victory on the de technology in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 with Kurt Russell. But this is like he's in the whole movie, right? Like yeah. the whole film, you you need to be convinced that this effect works or else the movie kind of doesn't work. And, and I. think like-
0: with Kurt and Guardians, like he has his sunglasses on for some of that and like the hair is really working in his favor and all you know, like all of that is happening. I will say Kurt Russell gave a hilarious interview where he claimed that was all makeup. And I was like, ah. no, buddy. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's leaps and bounds. And I think, you know, they I've seen some behind the scenes photos. He just has like dots on his face uh, for the motion capture. Um Who Samuel but,
2: Jackson
1: or Kurt Russell?
0: Samuel Jackson, but oh, really? um, wow. Yeah, but... Uh,
1: Jeff, he definitely few... looks younger than he does today, okay? I don't know why you don't think that he looks younger. Uh,
2: uh, <laughs> just a few yeah, months. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> just... I think that, the dude looks remarkable for his age. He looks like great.
1: He looks I, I, amazing. He looks amazing sure. But, dude, it's he's clearly very different than he looks in the other films. Okay, and anyway. But they put a wig, you
2: know, they put some hair on
1: him, <laughs> you don't know, some makeup... <laughs> and, and anyway, uh, so de-aging, really incredible. And the other thing that you pointed out, Joanna, that I really uh, appreciate about this movie is how it plays with the depiction of memory, right? And I, I feel like every now and then a a Marvel film will just drop something really innovative in terms of from a filmmaking perspective. And I think with, uh, for instance, um, Doctor Strange, I think we saw that with the kind of the way that the world bent around you know, like, they could, like, control the dimensions of the world and stuff like that. And I, I thought, like, visually it was really spectacular. And in this movie, I feel like the way this movie uses memory um, and, and kind of uh, – there's various techniques it uses to depict the idea of, like, remembering something or forgetting something. Uh, and I just found that to be really impressive um, and just kind of uh, – shockingly good you know because i i don't think i've ever seen memory depicted in the way it was in this film before so um those are a couple things i just want to call out as being particularly uh excellent in in captain marvel
0: i will say uh for a spoiler free um take that i really appreciated the relationship between uh, maria rumbo and uh, carol danvers that's depicted in this film um i think Female, you know, like much is being made of of the of this being a female-led movie, obviously. But um, we've had powered females in the MCU before. I don't know that I've seen strong female friendship in the MCU before, mm-hmm. and that is something that just really hit me um, pretty hard. the The amount of time and energy they are able to devote to that. I thought was like, I was really impressed. I walked out really impressed that Kevin Feige and everyone at Marvel was like, yeah, we have time to put a, a meditative film about female friendship in the middle of this intergalactic action film. So why not? Let's do it.
1: Good call out. Yeah, that was, it was really well done. I thought as well. So, uh, all right. Well, there's so much more to discuss. We can't really talk about it in the pre-spoiler section. Is there anything else y'all want to mention before we get to spoilers? No, no. Uh, So all that being said, let's get to spoilers for Captain Marvel starting right now.
2: Now you're looking for the secret. Do to see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. I want to start with the the very first shot of the movie, which I thought was so cool. No, no, because... no. Let's start.
1: Let's start before the first shot, right? Oh
2: well, yeah. The, wow. I was crying before the movie started. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: this Aww. is the first time I've been cry- <laughs> I've been in tears Did during the Marvel logo. Right?
0: <laughs> oh, you guys, it's so sweet. It's really like really classy and like
2: so classy. I, what know. a great idea! Whoever had that yeah.
0: idea, oh, give him a raise! Yeah. yeah. Give him a Lambo uh, for that idea. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. it's It's very touching. And then you kind of see not only, you're not only reminded of the fact that Stanley uh, created all these amazing characters or helped to create all these amazing characters, but that uh, he was just like in these movies, he was kind of this fun, you know, father like presence uh, throughout that seemed like always like a fun guy, right? Like that he, he understood his creation, but also understood the tone of his creation and knew how to have fun with it. And, uh, yeah, I found it very moving. So
2: it okay. was interesting too. When, when his actual cameo came up in this I movie, liked it. Yeah. I liked it too. But I, I, when it started you know, he's reading that Mallrat script to place us in the nineties, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but it starts with his face hidden behind the Mallrat script. Yeah. And I thought, Oh, is that how they're going to start doing this? Is there just going right. to be, body doubles that are hiding their face. I, I, I kind of felt like, Ooh, I don't know if I like that. Um, but obviously they had shot that before. Yeah.
0: The- I knew that they had filmed this one. I don't, I think this might be the last one. I knew that this one was coming. They might there have might an endgame one. Game end game, one. Right? Yeah. yeah but they yeah. might have an end game one, but I don't think they've confirmed that
2: yet. I, I, I suspect, and I could be reading into this way more than it is the case, but I, I suspect the reverse shot of Brie Larson from his POV was a pickup uh, because her, her, her little nod to him felt like a reverent
1: pass. You pass. I agree. Yeah. I
0: agree. Mm. I agree with that. Yeah. It felt a, l- a little extra. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree with that.
1: All right, Jeff, the first shot of the movie. So the first shot of the movie is <laughs> dust, uh, ash,
2: you know, swirling around. And I was like, are we really starting here? <laughs> and I thought it was a pretty fun swerve that, you know, here's, I mean, technically Ant-Man and Wasp is the first Marvel movie after, uh, infinity war, but this felt like the, it really could be picking up in that moment. Right. Uh, and I thought, Oh my God, I can't believe it. But I thought it <laughs> was a pretty, uh, pretty little wink, wink, nudge, nudge uh, of that. You know, that na, 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 na,
0: a big complaint that I've heard about this opening and I don't know that I disagree is that people felt disoriented, just being like thrust into the world of the Cree and everything that's happening here and all the sci-fi mumbo jumbo, et cetera. Um, and I myself, like, even though I know a bit about the Cree and all of that, I was like, okay, is this, is this the movie? I don't know that I want this to be the movie. And then it wasn't the movie. And I, I, I have to think because, um, Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden are very smart filmmakers. I have to think that that's somewhat intentional that the disorientation is puts us sort of on par with, with Carol's disorientation. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but did you guys feel that way at all about the, the opening gamut? Well,
2: well, I think that the um, it's interesting because the Carol Danvers story and character lends itself very much to a traditional origin tale. You know, she's a fighter pilot who gets, who gets powers in a very marvelly way. It's not like she, you know, has them forever or anything that they, they are thrust upon her in a moment. Um, and the movie could very easily have been told from that perspective of this fighter pilot who's awesome, who has to do this thing, who doesn't understand why her commanding officer is telling her to do this thing, but she needs to do it and uh, and then that crash lands and then this explosion gives her powers, and now we're in a cosmic world. It could have we could have very much been transported slowly and deliberately into all of that cosmic stuff from a a earthbound human's perspective. Um and I and like I said I, you know earlier I think that if this movie had been made 10 years ago that's exactly how it would have been told. But it's kind of cool that we've we've progressed so far with this uh this serialized storytelling in the Marvel universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe that they can do that. And I thought it was a more interesting way of of telling it because a lot of those details even of that stuff happen completely off stage. You know, we just hear like a a retelling of, oh, you wanted to be the one to fly the thing. And you thought if, you know, if somebody was going to fly it, it should be you. And like, that's a dramatic moment that could have been dramatized in the context of the film. But this movie has more interesting, I think, things to do and a more interesting way to spin that yarn than just you know starting from zero and revving up into it
0: and i, I like i like the way that it then gets to yada 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 over some of that like we get, yeah. we get like flashes because we know that origin story right, right? Yeah, yeah and yeah. so we just get it in flashes and they're like fill in the blanks you've seen this before and we're like okay yeah we got it no worries yeah, I just need to bar karaoke and like right. some, some dude being an asshole over a pool. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. Sexism, in the worst place next. What's what's going on?
1: I agree with you, Joanna. I think that the way it kind of does the, the, the playing with time is, is actually really smart. I, I don't agree with Jeff. Like, I don't think it could have started anywhere other than where it did. Cause you need to be in Carol Danvers's perspective, right? When, she wakes up on the Kree homeworld and, like, needs to... Like, it wouldn't have made sense for her to start in the uh, in the fighter pilot era of her life because then otherwise you would just know all that stuff and then her trying to find her past would not... Uh, you would not be along with her for that journey because you would already know all that. So uh, I, I do think that the way it started was, uh, was the right place. And I, I wasn't too disoriented uh, at the beginning of the film. The thing that disoriented me was I had thought that... There was going to be some element of time travel introduced uh, with Carol Danvers or, or Captain Marvel or whatever she's called at the end of this movie. Um, that like, presumably some aspect of time travel is going to be necessary to undo uh, all the stuff that happened in v- Avengers: Infinity War, which of which I assume much of it will be undone. And uh, I so and then when she's like sees a photo of herself from like the past and that person theoretically died, I was like, oh. Somehow they're gonna make her like travel back in time. Like I I didn't even occur to me that it was actually the same person living in one continuous timeline. So that that this was the is, thing that confused me. But yeah. This
0: is why A you shouldn't stop re-watching Westworld every night yep. because it's messing with your brain. And B, you should not read interviews with Samuel L. Jackson. Because that's where that time travel thing came from. Is like Samuel L. Jackson just tossed off something potentially. About no, I, I, I never read that.
1: I, I never, I, I, all I heard, the only basis of that knowledge I had going into this movie was I knew that Captain Marvel was super like, like had incredible mind blowing powers. And I just kind of assumed, uh, and you don't know what manifestation those powers will take in the film. They change the powers all the time in the movies. Um, but I just assumed that one of them might be, the ability to like alter time or something like that. Um, oh, okay. So it nope. wasn't a Samuel Jackson interview. Um, but uh, but I was wrong, you know, um, which is something that happens on, on a very rare occasion. So
0: first time, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. First
1: time, yeah, it's actually first time that's happened. Thanks for that. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, that that was the thing that I found to be a little disorienting. But uh, we were talking about some of the memories things, and and uh, I really love that part when Ben Mendelsohn's character has her in the machine, and he's kind of like kind of yeah. guiding her to oh, so to see cool. it's so and it's like she's and it's like he's speaking to her and she's in the memory but she can also hear him right and i was just like oh my gosh this is like we've seen this uh this kind of feature of movies before this kind of scene in movies where like a person's having a flashback but then it's so weird that like a person that you haven't met yet is outside interacting with the person and then she can hear him it's uh, like there's – he's scrubbing through her YouTube video.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: You know and what I mean? He's, and there's
0: like – yeah, and there's like a little bit of comedy to it because Ben Mendelsohn is so good in this role as – as is it Talos? Talos? Um yeah. Like that he just brings this light touch to this role throughout, first of all. And secondly, there's a propulsion to it because she's trying to grasp onto – this voice outside of her memory right and so she's like wait what wait what's up hap- wait what's happening and like so you're like with her trying to like help her pull out of this memory tailspin while also trying to like get suck up the information yeah. that you're getting out of these memories i think it's 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 a really brilliant sequence
1: yeah because uh, uh, also yeah like uh you don't know who ben Mendelssohn is but you assume he's evil because they've just taken her like they just captured her right and I'm thinking, like, no, resist whoever this person is, because he's probably evil. And so th- there's all these layers of, like, drama going on uh, in that one, uh, you know, it must have been, like, two-minute sequence. It, was, it didn't last very long. Uh,
0: I want to I I ask you guys, since you're go- so good at not spoiling yourselves before you go into movies, mm-hmm. like, at what point did you grok that uh, Jula was not um, a, a heroic figure?
1: I did not grok it until the moment that he shows up in that memory. Right, like okay. that. You, like in two thirds of the way through the movie, when he shows up uh, in her memory as like having killed Annette Benning's character.
2: Well, the first time he uh, he you know gets on the gets on the horn with Ronan, I was like, that seems. We know who Ronan is.
0: <laughs> That's a bad guy. <laughs> He's bad. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. And it's and interesting. It's, yeah. uh, I mean, it's playing with some of that established lore from the comics, which is fun. Which you know. She did does kind of rebel against the Cree in the in the in the story of her origin in the comics, but um, making the Skrulls completely sympathetic at the end, I thought was so interesting, and uh, and it still leaves room for a more warlike faction of the Skrulls to be real problematic um, and 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 antagonistic for Marvel heroes in future films. This could easily be a you know a sort of rogue scrawl who is so moved by the loss of his family that he goes against their warlike, uh, you know, doctrine to, to, to do what he does. But I just thought it was so cool. And especially casting Mendelssohn and having that be right. against type so known
0: so, for being a villain. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: I, so like something that I think is interesting when I talk to both men and women about this film is like, um, how many like layers of the cake, Uh, (laughs) is like uh, registering with people, you know what I mean? Because I I think, you know, I don't think it's like confrontational or combative to say that like there is a layer of, you know, gaslighting and imposter syndrome and all this stuff that is like very distinctly female that is baked into this cake that like a lot of men watching might be able to see or recognize that maybe not feel on the same level that a woman watching this film might, might feel it. And um, for me, I, I already knew that Jude Law was evil because someone like sort of spoiled that for me months ago, but also when watching this film in their very first sparring scene when he's sort of instructing her about her emotions and how she needs to keep them in check, my hackles just mm. like went right up about yeah. that. And it's such an interesting thing to play with because that is something that you could see being part of a hero's journey. I'm thinking of like Legends of Korra or something like that, where like, People, heroes do need to maybe figure out how to control their emotions. But this this messaging that he's giving her that her emotions are a weakness and then they wind up being her strength, that is such a fascinating thing to cook into a movie. Um, and that reversal of it, that like gaslighting that, you know, this is wrong and bad about you and you should feel bad about this. And she's like, Ooh, what if I didn't? Yeah. And I'm even stronger. Cool. Here we go. You know, and I really liked that.
1: I think it's very well similar said. to the plot of frozen. Is it not right? That there's this, uh woman or girl in the case of frozen with powers and they're like people around her trying to contain them or convince her that they're bad. Um, right. Like, did you get a frozen tingle when you saw the movie or is it just me?
0: Oh, I did not get a frozen tingle, but uh, you're you're not incorrect. And I mean, and it's definitely stories that you know. We've seen. Frozen is makes me think of X Men. Like this is a right. thing that we've definitely like seen. Like embrace the thing that makes you different, and that will make you stronger. That's definitely a, a thing we've seen before. But I think there's something so gendered about the Jude Law Brie Larson character dynamic versus the Annette Benning um, as Marvel. Uh, dynamic, or, or or the Maria messaging, or even the Nick Fury messaging. It's like Carol can receive these various messaging, and it's like it support, um, or I should say like handicapping disguises as support is what we see from the Jude Law character, Jan Rog, right? And uh, and that's I don't know that 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 makes it more interesting than just like oh a twist he's a villain. It's like twist he's a villain, and maybe always be questioning the messaging you're hearing from people around you, you
1: know? Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I agree that, 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 the movie really lands that pretty well. Um, but one thing I, I think the movie doesn't land from a thematic standpoint is uh, I felt like the, the overall message of the movie is a little muddled, you know, uh, in, in terms of uh, these scrolls basically being refugees, right. And the movie having a very kind of anti imperialist message, uh, at the same time, the movie is a recruiting tool that's being used by the U.S. military, right? And it's, there's very, it's very like, um, uh, it's it's it is mildly yet overtly, you know, pro-military, right? And it does make uh, being a pilot out to uh, look super cool, right? Um, and I just felt like that was a weird juxtaposition. Uh, did any of you have any reaction to that or am I the only one picking up? I don't,
2: I don't know. I I think you perhaps overstate the jingoism and sort of how cool it makes being a pilot. I, it's not like this movie's top gun, you know, it's being a pilot is just this sort of backstory thing that comes in handy a few times. It's not like, I mean, we skip over so much of the pilot life uh it's just cool that they have that skill set and it becomes useful to them but i don't I don't know I think um, perhaps you overstate how much that I see your point but i i didn't it didn't ring for me.
0: I didn't know until I read your tweets tonight I mean I knew that the the um Air Force did a flyover of the red carpet at the premiere in Los Angeles. and I. But I didn't know until I read your tweets tonight that the the Air Force was using this film as, like, a recruitment um, thing. And that make, does make me a little uncomfortable, but that feels somewhat outside the, pro- the likely intentions of at least the storytellers. Like, you know, I can't speak to Marvel Studios' intention or whatever, but, like, you know, the directors and the screenwriters certainly weren't like, ah, oh, we're making propaganda for the U.S. Air Force. You know what I mean? And I, I think... The way in which these three women, uh, Wendy – I think it's Dr. Wendy Lawson, is that right? Uh, Wendy, uh, Carol, and Maria are operating slightly outside of the Air Force in this, like, side project that they're working on. You know, and and so the only representation of the true Air Force we get are the, like, asshole men who – don't want to let women fly like so then it doesn't i agree it doesn't feel very jingoistic to me in that in that way
2: yeah. and it explicitly st- stated they're trying to end wars right they're trying right. to uh, and and we in fact get a an explanation of how that technology was supposed to work according to marvel and that is uh to take people away from the planet to hide them you know to not to create cool fighter jets with it but to actually uh, create a you know a uh, a big sky bus that'll take everybody to safety.
1: Uh yeah, I mean I think those are fair points and uh I think that but but to to the point you just made like that's what I'm saying is that I think the message is very mixed, right? Um that, like I think it's 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 a little confused there uh in terms of what uh it's trying to say about uh What do you think
0: what is in the movie in the movie itself outside of whatever the Air Force is doing with with the movie what is in the movie that feels like rah-rah-rah well, yes, us like, Air Force yeah
1: like I, like or, I said oh, sure <laughs> yeah. I, I did say it was pretty mild right but I mean there is that moment when she looks down at uh, her friend's daughter right and is like oh like I'm gonna choose the like colors that are like your' like the ones you're wearing which by the way is like from this Air Force t-shirt right. Um, and you could say like, oh, well, that's just a coincidence that she's wearing an Air Force, you know. But it it does feel like the no, movie. She said,
0: I mean, you're right. She says we're on the same side, right. and by, she doesn't mean like the little girl. She means the like U- USA And like, but it's it's this kind of like maybe I'm being naive, but it feels like this kind of gentle throwback patriotism that like feels like captain america to me like i'm not bothered by captain america's patriotism because it feels so quaint to me and maybe that's like i said naive but that's the same vibe i get off of the captain marvel thing but
1: um yeah i mean i I guess i would say it is no more strong about you know the military than an average michael bay movie right (laughs) uh and you know like people i mean i i guess there's so many things wrong with michael bay movies that their uh <laughs> their pro military stance is is but one of the sea of issues with them um but uh anyway it's it's not a, we don't need to spend more time talking about it I just wanted to to raise it because uh i, I did think thematically uh, I, I found the movie a little bit confused in that way um, I do think
2: that higher faster farther is a perfect recruiting slogan for the air force. It, like, they true. must be kicking themselves. They didn't think of it first. <laughs> mm.
0: They're like, yeah. thanks Kelly Sue for writing that for us. Um, yeah. One uh, aspect that I really like, I talked to one of the screenwriters, Geneva Robertson Dwarit. I don't know if I nailed her last name there, but um, she told me that the reason Nick Fury, like that goose, the cat was already in the, um, in the story it's Chewy in the comics with Goose as a little Top Gun reference in the film um the, the cat was already in there and she's like she's like my husband loves cats so I just assumed that Nick Fury would lose his mind over this cat she's like so that's why Nick Fury loves cats because my husband does and I was like that's it's such a lovely character moment for Nick Fury and for the whole movie like Carol sort of like is kind but indifferent to this cat, and Nick Fury is just losing his mind over over the cat the whole time, which is just a very charming uh, thing to do.
1: I, I thought it was interesting that he that that is the origin story of why he has an eye patch. I
0: know,
1: right? it's is a It's
2: he... a pretty it's a pretty elaborate gag, <laughs> yeah. you know. it's a It's a it's a long walk to get to that, right?
0: But it's I, not, it, it's it didn't like it could have. I liked the cat scratch, and I liked Ben Mendelsohn's little like head shake but then like i don't know that we needed all like we're like oh we get it that's it for his eyeballs done so i don't know that we needed all this stuff afterwards you know we get
2: stuff before and afterwards we get stuff we get like he hits, gets hit in the eye. How's your oh, eye? That's fine. Right. It's going to be you're fine. Right. It's this constant like, is that the thing that caused the eye? Is that
1: <laughs> yeah. the thing? You you're know? right. Yeah. when the car hit right, like he gets hit yeah. by the car. Yeah. Or and the, gets, the and train. Then Coulson.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Coulson's like, is that? Is your eye okay? Oh, it's going to be fine. It's no big deal. You know, it's like this constant t. I mean, it's like na 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 na. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Um.
1: But but Jeff, I assume the the cat scratching the eye and that's what got it was is, is not canonical right i i, I don't think that's uh, from the comic not
2: books. to my knowledge <laughs> i i don't believe that's that's in in the comic lore but i i could be wrong that's not i actually don't know uh, the official marvel universe explanation for why Nick fury has an eye patch to be honest with you mm.
0: polygon.com uh, already has an explainer up um well. because they know how seo works <laughs> and um yeah, it's. I think it's in the war when he.
2: Loses. Yeah, because he, you know, he's a World War II hero yeah. in the comics. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: let's talk about a couple of other sort of scenes closer towards the the end of the film. Uh, uh, first of all, I thought the origin story or the origin moment, right when she shoots the engine thingy. Uh, it was really beautifully done, right? It, oh yeah, you know. I mean, as, as an origin story goes, it's kind of it's very similar to like the Spider-Man. Like, oh, this thing that probably should have vaporized you instead uh, gave you incredible godlike powers. But whatever, you're you kind of. It's that. almost if,
2: like uh, one guy came up with the origins for an entire company's worth of heroes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's
2: almost like one guy did all that. Um, but although I don't uh, think Stanley actually created Captain Marvel,
1: but yeah, you know what I mean. You know, I know what you're saying. Um, and uh, I, I thought that was. Very, uh, like it actually reminded me a lot of Zack Snyder's Watchmen and the creation of Dr. Manhattan, uh, with yeah, the blue yeah. and then like the blue is like infused in her and stuff like that. Um, but I did think it was a very striking visual and and I appreciated uh, the way it went down. Did any of you guys see this movie in IMAX by any chance? Um, no, I, no, I didn't. I, I saw it in IMAX and at numerous points, uh, the, so I saw it in Limax, right? So not. Full IMAX, um, but at numerous points the the entire screen does fill up uh, with uh, oh. a larger image. So uh, you you are getting more information if you see it in IMAX. So I just want to give uh, give that a shout out. One um, of my pet peeves for
2: this entire Marvel universe right now, and in, in movies in general, sci fi films in general. God, I hate the helmet that materializes out of nothing.
1: <laughs> so you're God, about, I hate like, it, Star Lord, and, and yes. Uh, Captain Marvel, right?
2: Hate it. I know we've got nanotech has is, is been well established by this point. And now we've got even like Iron Man. is just appears because it's nanotech. God, it annoys me. I hate it. It just appears out of nothing. Oh, it bugs me. Why does that bother you, Jeff? I want it to be physical. I want it to <laughs> not feel like just empty CG that appears. I, I, and I get it. It's like little nano bits that whatever. But
0: are you are you jealous? of captain marvel's mohawk are you
2: telling us right now that i love it i love love? i love the look but just put it on don't like materialize (laughs) it out of nothing i
1: i liked uh i I did like how her hair kind of deployed when she took the the
2: thing off right Right? yeah that was a pretty cool effect right so much great hair stuff the zero gravity hair yeah and uh, tons of wonderful hair work
1: in this movie yeah cat hair (laughs) stuff going on with the cat in different environments yeah
2: Can
0: I tell you about my least favorite part about this, of this movie that I actually really liked? Please. Uh, and I don't think I've talked to a single person who liked it. It is the music cue of. Oh, no no doubt. No No doubt. doubt. The worst.
2: Just a girl in the the worst at the end. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. I almost forgot, but I was (laughs) so angry at that. It's terrible. First of all, it's terrible to, oh, like, oh. it's, it's a terrible, I'm sorry. I totally just stole your thunder. You were, no, you
0: were no, talking. no, no,
2: no, go ahead. But I yes, uh, it's a, t- it, it doesn't work. It, it would be one thing if it like was such a cool, unexpected action sequence, um, uh, choreography song, you know, but it just, it doesn't work on that level. And it's so friggin' on the nose that it's like, Oh, we get it. And a, I hate that song. <laughs> B, we are, we are already with you, movie. You don't have to beat <laughs> us over the head with I'm just a girl.
0: That's and, what I'm saying. Like, it had done such a good job so far of not doing that. Yes. And I really hate that. I hate feeling pandered to. I hate girl power, like, served up in a saute, like, whatever. I just – I don't like that. And so I was like, no, you were doing such a good job of just, like, making her cool <laughs> and, like <laughs> – that's fine. And you did not need to bring Gwen Stefani into this. Why? So I, you know, overall I liked the 90s soundtrack, but that really, really, really struck me. And I just, I could not believe that so many people sat through like rough cuts of this movie and were like, yep, that's the one. (laughs) Oh, I'm
2: so glad you brought that up. It, 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 yes, it bothered me. Never bring Gwen Stefani to a laser pistol fight. That's my rule. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it it was
1: bad. I think actually like 90s period pieces that like overuse soundtracks way too much, in my opinion. I, I had this issue also with Escape from Dannemora, the Showtime original series, which takes place in the more recent past, I think, than that. Uh, but they, they basically like a lot of movies that take place in the recent past really want to work super hard to convince you that they are in, in that time period. And so like, there's just so much, like there's diegetic music left and right. That's from that time period. And it really gets to be, uh, I I found the whole thing to be a little too on the nose. I mean, she lands in a blockbuster. I thought that was very well done, uh, very lovingly and meticulously recreated. And then it's like, we get it. It's in the nineties. Like we don't need another,
0: Radio Eighteen Shack songs. Notes.
1: Yeah, we don't need yeah. another like you know <laughs> dozens of songs. Radio Shack was good. Radio Shack, yeah. Shack was
0: but like, good. I liked all the laser tag jokes. The, the yeah, that was funny yeah, too. That was and, good. Uh, yeah, but some and, of the uh,
2: songs uh, work Dave. Like like garb- the garbage song uh garbage. was so great when she's driving on the motorcycle and we're behind her. Like some of the songs are great. It just that no doubt.
0: And Needle it's not a good it, and I got to say it's not a good fight scene either like it's, yeah, I, I like a lot of the action in the film I even like the CGI zooming through space stuff. I really love the like fighter pilot uh fight you know it was very like millennium and falcon through the like crevices and stuff like that but uh that one fight in two no doubt was very muddled I thought yeah, and I, I was just think like it was
2: pretty rough yeah. Was uh, like, my well, favorite I- my favorite action sequence in the whole movie is the um the um Uh, the chase in the car and train. Yes. Uh, And it it is the most fun they have with the scroll stuff. And I wish the movie leaned into that more because, uh, you know, there's no reason if I'm a scroll, there's no reason I'm going to be the same person in a chase for more than a second and a half. Right. You know, like that, it, it was so fun when she's kicking the crap out of that old lady, having an old lady fight uh, that was a great moment, but you could have had half a dozen more moments like that, and I don't think it would have gotten tired. I think it would have been a really – the idea of fighting someone who looks like everybody all the time, you could have – they could have gone way further down that rabbit hole and and mined it for more fun and funny, I think.
0: I think they were – yeah, I, I, like I thought all the scroll like um, shapeshifting stuff worked really well, but I think they were very worried about losing people. Like Mm -hmm. I could I could watch I could see them like, you know, especially like the old lady stuff, even though the old lady stuff um, is in the trailer that everyone maybe has seen or a lot of people have seen. They're just (laughs) like, see this old lady leaving the train, see her leaving the train. She's left the train. Oh, wait, who is that? She's on the train. You know, so I think that they were like really concerned that the shape shifting would would prove too confusing for people. That's why I mean, I also like. I was worried that we were going to have to try to pretend we didn't know that Ben Mendelsohn was a scroll for um, much of the movie, and they got they got through that really quickly. Really so, quickly,
1: right when he like leans up against the guy's body, right? Yeah, I thought that was, yeah that was great. Um, uh, one thing I want to observe about that uh, that moment towards the end of that extras, the, the, I'm sorry, not the extras, the uh, the scroll fight scene on the train. Right, she like comes out of the subway. And then she can't find the scroll, right? Because she's surrounded by all these people. And I just want to say shout out to both the background artists and also the costume designer of the film. Because basically they chose – if you watch closely, uh, the colors that the people are wearing are ridiculously diverse in that scene. Like people are wearing like the most diverse outfits you can possibly think of uh, in order to make it kind of – Really confusing and disorienting where this person might be. So anyway, it's it's uh, just a minor observation that like, hey, really like the costume design of all those civilians uh, in that scene when she's kind of overwhelmed by all the people walking around her. So wanted uh, wanted to give a shout out there. Um, I I
0: wanted to ask you, sorry, Dave, can I ask you real quick? Um, You're usually better than I am, and and I'm sure Jeff, you are too, at, at like identifying, um, like camera movements and stuff like that. And so. One part that really stood out to me is we're at Maria's house, and Carol has just like learned all this information about herself. and she goes outside. And I think uh, I'm pretty sure ninety nine percent sure the camera goes to like handheld. And it's sort of just like, roaming around and once again that struck me as out of place and fascinating in an mcu movie movie like a very fleck and bowden sort of thing to do did that stand out to you at all did you like it what did you think of it
1: mm, I, I don't even recall the moment you're speaking about actually. okay um, fair enough. <laughs> but uh, i would say a lot of the russo brothers uh movies use uh, quite a bit of handheld actually um in like some of the fight scenes and and with some of the yeah, comedy for- as well
0: for action but i don't know that they do it for like emotional turmoil in that way
1: i agree I, mean? I agree they mostly do it for action and also for comedy as well um yeah. like very arrest development style because uh, that's partly where they cut their teeth but no i don't actually know which one we were speaking of like this is when she first got to got to her house is that where you're like
0: no she's just found out. like basically talus has told her like you know all of all of the information um oh, yeah yeah you know and she like really understands everything And, uh, she goes outside and she's like, what the hell, you know, dude law betrayed me, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then Maria basically has to step up and be like, no, this is who you are. Don't forget who you are. This is who you are. You can take this. And I like that, that to me, that and Maria's like kitchen table, emotional monologue. Yeah. Like just really hit me as like these really interesting dramatic moments in a big action flick, you know?
1: Uh, I agree. I agree. I think they were great moments. So um, I don't remember the camera movements exactly, but uh, I, all I remember is kind of Brie Larson's determination on her face and kind of she's she has tears in her eyes finding out her whole world is being, you know, blown apart. Uh, that that was one of the things that I didn't really like about the earlier parts of the movie, though, is that like these huge revelations are happening and I just didn't believe that this is how these people would react, you know. Um, are we meant to understand that Shield knows about extraterrestrial life at this point? You know, because I feel like if you met, yeah, he
2: sort of takes that in stride pretty well, right? And then,
1: <laughs> and then, like all of a sudden, Samuel L. Jackson shows up at the bar that Brie Larson's at with no explanation, and then they do this like Voight Kampf test where he's like, "Are you a scroll?" and it's like, it's like this, it's this way of like conveying exposition, but it just, it just it, it struck me as really inauthentic like it just didn't strike me as how these characters would behave in that situation it just was like we we need to zoom through this exposition and get on to the next thing because what you really want to see is like buddy cop movie with these two characters which i relate like i i understand i agree that that is what the audience wants but i felt like it took a couple too many shortcuts for me what'd you guys think of those earlier scenes any any thoughts or uh, did it all work for you joanna
0: um I guess I'm not surprised to see like Nick Fury agent of shields able to track her to a bar. Um, the yeah I think you I think you're right. Well, I think what happens is when I see exposition dumps like that like there's a similar one in the car ride when she's explaining what a kree is and what a sco- scroll right. is. Um, and I think I just mostly admire when those things are done in at least an entertaining way. And I feel that that was the case in, in both of those scenes, like that they kept it light and breezy. Um, I, I think that that that's kind of your complaint <laughs> that it was too light and breezy. But I, I kind of like <laughs> exposition that you can just hop, skip and jump through, you know?
1: Yeah. So. All right. Fair enough.
2: Um, I, I had a similar feeling that it was that it that it. Samuel L. Jackson and the humans in general are like, all right, there's aliens now. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, oh, oh and it,
1: there's some aliens that can shape shift, and some aliens that can like blast things with their hands.
2: Yeah, um, and yeah, exactly. It's it's all you know, it's all part and parcel. And and then he, you know, he goes and he's hanging out with his his supervisor, who's got an alien autopsy, and his supervisor is like, okay, look into this, but only you. <laughs> you know, not like. <laughs> We should probably tell everyone who works for the government (laughs) that this is happening. No, just you by yourself. Go and look into all this alien stuff.
0: Well, I'm a little confused in terms of like, you know, there are obviously tiers of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? And Nick Fury is not at the top of S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point. Um, and so there's, there are things that are kept secret, you know, there's like Operation Pegasus, which is the exploration of the Tesseract, which, you know, Dr. Wendy Lawson knows about and some other people know about, but it you know, Nick Fury doesn't have the clearance for that. And so there are these like weird sort of segmented sections of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the government that like, you know, Operation Pegasus obviously knew about aliens already, you know? So it's, it's just sort of, I, I, I don't know. I kind of accepted it that way, I guess, that like certain P you would need to know, um, for certain
2: people. And super cool that that facility is the same facility from the Avengers. In, yeah, exactly. that gets destroyed in that opening action sequence. So cool.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about some of the, the scenes towards the end of the movie. Uh, I, I watched this movie with my wife and I think, uh, she got, she got kind of annoyed a little bit that like by the end of the movie, um, her, her, she's basically, like, Captain Marvel is basically a god, right? She can just do anything. Her, her uh, energy hands can basically do anything, including making Jude Law's spaceship go away. Right? Like, she just shoots the spaceship and, whoop, like, it flies away. Um, I don't think that's, you know, that's, that that ability was not introduced until that moment in the movie. Um, but Well, uh, I think
2: the idea is that she, it's like um, uh, igniting she's using her energy to uh yeah. shoot energy out of the back of that and it's it's not it's just going crazy it's just going off yeah. you know it's like yeah. popping the back of a balloon basically
1: mm. yeah yeah you know I like it's, that. it's a fun little it's a it's a fun little goof fun little goof there um, but she's <laughs> she's <laughs> so condescending
2: she's uh she the idea of her energy is that it was limited to her hands artificially and her energy right purest expression is that it is in all of her so it's not like she had energy hands that now can do this it's that yeah energy in her being was limited artificially into her hands and now she it surrounds her it consumes her and she can channel it in various ways
0: i did once again i love that so much that like there's this constant threat from both the supreme intelligence and from yon-rog that it's like okay we gave you we gave this to you and we can take it away anytime we want to and we control you via this thing and she's like "Ooh, what if i just yank it out Ooh, guess what uh you gave me nothing this is mine and i get to use it how i want like that's oh it's very good it's very good
1: (laughs) i did like the you know the way she demonstrated her but like you really get a good sense of how powerful she is at the end she's just passing through ships like a hot knife through butter right and yeah <laughs> i thought that was a pretty cool effect when she's just like going through like the multiple layers of ronin ship and then um uh you know he realizes he's met his match and just gtfo so uh, yeah i like that um
0: i also i like the use of annette benning in this like both as um wendy lawson marvell i mean you know so they like they gender flip marvell great big deal who cares that's great uh and then and i mean that as in like it shouldn't be a big deal it's like it's fine it's great that she's Marvel, i think and then that she's also the supreme intelligence that they have this conceit of like the supreme intelligence is whoever you know you most respect and admire wh- whatever it is i'm just like that's that's very very brilliant way to let annette benning do some fun stuff in yeah, this movie you know? two
2: roles basically right yeah, yeah. rad with the silver hair too so ah.
0: good and yeah, the, yeah, the bright blue eyes. Yeah, and like, and it sort of allowed them to obscure her real identity in the film because I don't think um, I think they let out that she was a Supreme Intelligence like a couple weeks ago, but still kept the Marvel part back, you
1: know. Mm. So that was like yeah. A fun yeah on video. IMDb,
2: she's she's listed as Supreme Intelligence. I think.
3: Yeah, very cool. Exactly. Very
2: cool.
1: So, yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the the last. Scene of the movie, which I'm going to spoil the uh, f- recent Fox Fantastic Four remake right now. So like, if you haven't oh. seen yeah, it, know, I know that's a movie Strap a lot of people are waiting in. to see. If yep. you haven't seen it, don't. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, don't. And still continue <laughs> listening to what I'm about to say. Um, but uh, I, I got to say that it reminded me of that the, the last scene from that movie. Joanna Robinson, have you seen the Tr- Josh Trank Fantastic Four movie?
0: Guess what? I like myself, so I have it. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay. So you there is a- beautiful, innocent child. <laughs> so there is a scene <laughs> at the end of that movie where Miles Teller is there with, uh, what's his name? Billy Elliot, right? Um,
0: Jamie Bell. Jamie
1: Bell. And Jamie yeah. Bell is like the thing, right? And, and they, ha- they have arrived in this like high-tech facility, and Jamie Bell, as the thing, is looking out over it, and he's like, it's fantastic. And and Miles Teller says, "Wait, what did you say?" And then like cut to credits, right? And um, uh, same thing happens here, right? Where it's like, "Wait, Avenger? We should not call it the Protector Initiative. It is the Avengers Initiative." And I, I don't know. I was like, "That's either uh, kind of clever or it's really really terrible." What do it's,
2: you guys? Think? I will fight you, Dave. It is awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> Because... I didn't know
0: until you fin- – I was like, is it going to be <laughs> awful or awesome? I didn't know until you finished the word. Okay, it's
2: go ahead. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, They're saying <laughs> "bourns," guys. <laughs> I loved that. I loved that because there's no it, – it, it retcons a thing that is really dumb because like <laughs> – what person is making the Avenger initiative? Like, what are we avenging? Like, why would he come up with that? There's no we're not avenging anything. We're gonna protect the world. That's the whole point. It's like it's a <laughs> dumb name for a thing that's not dumb because it's based on a comic book called that made in the 60s. But in the in the you know, context of this universe, it'd be like, uh hey Nick, what why what are we avenging exactly? You know, it's like it doesn't make any sense. But it's cool. And another layer of why it's cool is because <laughs> we now have a new origin for the entire friggin' thing we've been doing. Like it's like she is the most important person in the entire Marvel universe. You know, previously you had Captain America, the first Avenger, of which was first. sort of he's the most important. Avenger, he's right. the sort of source of it all. No, no, no. Carol Danvers <laughs> is the source of it all. She's the reason uh, Samuel Jackson even had this idea, felt it was necessary. It's named after her. Awesome! That's awesome. That is not lame. And I will fight you, John I'm Robinson.
1: Like, yeah, I'm weigh in on
0: this, gritting ear to ear. <laughs> this is like music to my ears. Jeff put it perfectly. I think I really, <laughs> I, well, I like what it does for her placement in the story. This is a complicated task that they had to weave this character into a tapestry that we already felt like we were quite familiar with. So like... Where, how is she anchored in it? Like you can't just slot her, the most powerful being in the world in the galaxy, into a story that happened 20 years ago. And why have we never heard of her? And like, I still don't think they fully, you know, as we alluded to in the non-spoiler section, I still don't think they fully address that. Right? She hands in the pager and she's like, "Emergencies only," <laughs> and you know, she's off doing this very important like scroll relocation project.
2: We can, and, see, we can have a sequel in her timeline, right? Yeah. We have a
0: absolutely and in theory like ronin um Like maybe Ronan was fucking with her because he's like, we'll be back for the weapon, the woman, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so maybe Lee Pace and Ronan are somehow involved in like, maybe Nick Fury did try to page her during the apocalypse, the Battle of New York. And like, she couldn't respond because Ronan had her captive. We don't know exactly what was happening, but like, that was a challenge they had. Once they decided to set this in the 90s, they had to explain why this crazy powerful person uh has just not been part of this story for so long and i think they mostly they landed it enough that i'm like okay that's fine but as jeff pointed out they still made her important and foundational to this story that we've been telling
1: well fine guys uh i'm just gonna say this i love no doubt song uh i'm just a girl okay (laughs) how dare you put that out there you just gonna drop that into the mix and uh, see how Gwen
0: Stefani. Gwen Stefani has let down all of womankind. Oh wow! Like... <laughs> wow.
1: Okay. Um. So just,
2: just as long as uh as uh, Far From Home doesn't have a sequence where <laughs> Peter Parker is swinging through the city to sorry I'm not home right now I'm walking through spider way. <laughs>
1: Um, oh, uh,
0: okay. Now, can now we... I now I demand that someone make that cut uh, <laughs> and release it online. Thank you so much.
1: Can we uh, agree though? Can we agree on this? That this is one of the best mid you know, mid slash post credit sequences of the entire MCU, right? I think it is. It is like, the second best ever.
0: You're talking about
1: uh, cat vomit, or no? No, I'm talking about like you know. That was trying the worst. Yeah, you know, you know, it's always the one that you stay to the very end to. That's always a letdown, right? It's always I that swear. one that's like.
2: Well, it's they have this pattern now where yeah. the mid credits one is the setting up of the next movie, yes. and the last one is just a joke.
1: Yes, that's right. That's right.
2: And but I pl- I place this this mid credits one the the earlier one yeah. second best. After the first, which was uh, Samuel Jackson showing up and saying Avengers initiative, which w- was one of the best moments of my life. Um, <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> what's, what's interesting is when they do this is basically a next time on the right. Avengers. Right. Which they've done a couple times. They did it at the end of Captain America. Right. You get like some of the Avengers at the end of Captain America right. or you get some of what's like Civil War at the end of winter soldier right i think um so uh you know they they've done this next time on I, I anticipate that we will see that scene again yeah in, I
2: think in Endgame. end game but we it got is got to see a scene from end game yeah. which is what's so wonderful about it we're just it's all begging
1: fun. for scraps from marvel's table And and this scene gave it to us, right? What's so
0: funny is, like, I'm watching the scene and I'm like, I know it's going to end with her there. I know it's going to end with her there. So And then then Natasha turns around and I gasped anyway. (laughs) Like, this
2: was was the. (drawing) (laughs) And then it goes boom. (laughs) And then the the music stops completely. And you're like, no, you did the drop. You did the drop. And we don't get any more. Uh (laughs) Um,. Something
0: that um, I I talked about this a little bit on another podcast. I do storm spoilers and something that they brought up is like um, what's extra special fun about the scene is like we already know we've seen Carol Danvers and her godlike powers and how she can tear through spaceships like a knife through butter, as Dave put it. But like she snuck up on (laughs) Black Widow and Captain America. Like, really? (laughs) She she did that um you know that's that's just like a whole different i mean i don't know that we've ever seen anyone sneak up on natasha so that was well
2: this is going to be very interesting right because now marvel has the superman problem Mm. right
0: they already kind of had that with vision and scarlet witch like that they're too overpowered you know
2: maybe i i
0: Maybe. I'm not saying they've handled it well, but like vision, they've had to like sideline vision and Scarlet Witch in various ways, like to right. be like, okay, these people could just alter reality. So let's, yeah, that's like the over. first thing
2: you, the first thing you do when you write an X-Men script is you explain why professor Xavier got knocked unconscious. Oh, right. no. <laughs> because otherwise he just enters uh, everybody's brains and we're not doing that anymore. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. This is, this is, I think, I think, I will grant you that Scarlet Witch more so than Vision. Vision less so, I I think. But
1: a little, little Vision's bit. powers are so poorly explained that I I agree that they're he can <laughs> it's not really a big problem. Things. He can face yeah, things. Things. Um, things. yep, apparently. But
2: now they 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 squarely have the Superman problem and it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that going forward because uh you know, you have Thanos who can go toe to toe with with uh Captain Marvel but short of that <laughs> you know what are what are we going to do to to provide problems for her and i think that is going to be an interesting i mean Mar- end game could be a, a 15 minute like oh captain marvel's here okay could you go just beat up thanos for us real quick <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what speed yeah. bumps and impediments they place in front of her and how you know how they deal with that because i think it's it's a problem for any Superman story, you know, and and I and it's a real real issue here too.
0: I think you're entirely right that she is such a corollary for Superman that like, isn't it also true? And and here I'm cribbing off of my friend Dave Gonzalez. Isn't it also true that like this is the Superman movie that we wish we had seen? Like uh, I don't know yeah. elsewhere. Like here here's a Superman. She's she's Superman, and here she is like the the nice like generally positive, very powerful, like hero that we want to, to see like being nice to kids and all that sort of stuff. Well, um, I, agree,
2: I agree with that a hundred percent, but the cheat that they get away with in this one is she's only Superman for the last 10 minutes of the movie. Oh, so, that's true. you know, that's like, true. like that, that's why you now have the problem because, uh, you've, you've fully blossomed into, into your, into your powers. What, you, you took we... her
0: her kryptonite collar off, and right. now, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I think that's true. I do think that they've they somehow worked through that in infinite. like I feel like Dr. Strange shouldn't have been taken by Thanos. Like there's so many people in they do a, such a good job of establishing. Thanos's power right from the jump in Infinity War by having him kill Loki, like it and having him toss the Hulk around. Like this is a huge like establishment of powers. But at the same time, I'm like, Doctor Strange can do he can bend dimensions like (laughs) are you kidding me how did this happen and like you know they knocked him out they professor x'd him for a lot of that movie you know like and kept him away from thanos and then just had star lord fuck everything up that's how they handled the dr strange problem um but like you know i think they they will find a way around it but you're right that it's gonna take some you know explaining explaining as to why Captain Marvel isn't like, oh, brb. Okay, Thanos is taken care of. Because right. it's not. I think I, and this is purely speculative. I don't know. Spoilers for Endgame. Am I allowed to speculate, Dave?
1: Uh, I would say no. If your yeah, speculation, you're too good. Your specula- I would say no. If your speculation is based on the trailer for Endgame, which neither Jeff or I have seen, it's
0: Jeff not. It's not. Okay. It's not. It's All not. Right, I, will say, I, I will just say. I will just say this. Even if you go, kill Thanos in the first minute right. of the movie like how are you going to undo that doesn't yeah. solve all the problems
2: right i agree with that but i th- i would put a finer point on 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 what i perceive to be the problem isn't this i i think it's pretty easy to create a situation where Thanos is so powerful that he provides a problem for Carol Danvers
3: mm-hmm.
2: what what i would like what i think is going to be the interesting part of endgame now that captain marvel is part of it is what makes all of the other characters essential.
3: Mm, You know, like she's so,
2: and that's kind of like, if if you have a Superman, why do you need some millionaire in a suit with a boomerang on his?
1: Right. The other character is basically all the Avengers are going to be like Hawkeye from the first Avengers movie. Right. Right. Where he's Uh, like completely unnecessary to the plot of the movie.
0: I would say that that's true for everyone except for um, Ant-Man who might have some, like, like there, it quantum cannot realm. be a right. quantum realm. Like, that's what the purpose of that whole movie was, right? Yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp is to set up some quantum realm information. So there's no way that that's not, like, there's no way that that's positioned at between infinity war and endgame and not
2: important oh i agree so, and i think they're gonna come up with stuff for you know uh no no, no. A, i
0: yeah i'm not disagreeing with you i was just sort of like yes ending mostly
2: yeah you know and, and that's what i'm excited to see like yeah. what, what why why is captain america essential here why you know what mm-hmm. what are we gonna What? what's it's gonna be awesome and to see that group i'm just i can't wait for that movie i'm so excited
1: for that yeah, movie it's gonna be a, the, so the thing that uh kind of annoyed me about the how this movie points to that movie is or it reminded me of some of the shortcomings of Avengers Infinity War namely the fact that Thanos is able to acquire the Tesseract and all the other Infinity Stones in what appears to be the span of one week right or like 4 days basically like that this thing has been on earth for decades since this time in, in in earth history like decades of uh, first being in this alien cat and then we vomit it out and then they're keeping it underground and then uh, Loki gets to it. And then, you know, Thanos in the course of one week gets all the Infinity Stones. Um, That's uh, how cool he is. That's yeah. how potent he is. <laughs> yeah, you know. I think
0: there's some dialogue in the beginning of um, the Avengers with the Chichari. <laughs> um yeah. where they're talking <laughs> about like, uh, you know so-and-so has decided to leave the lead. The Tesseract is awake. Like there's all, there's some language in there that's sort of like now is the hour. Now is the man. Like come at the hour, come man sort of thing. Like yeah. wh- why then? And not like when the red skull had it or, you know, right. other things, right. the journey of the Tesseract through the MCU is, is a wild one. Yeah, I gotta say. Yeah. um, I really enjoy them just sort of like, Oh, what if we just, Oh, let's just pluck this MacGuffin and pop it here.
1: Yeah. And yeah. we'll just,
0: use this cat to explain certain things you know it's just like i don't know i I I, just give me
1: an idea for like a super cut of like what happens to the tesseract in like earth history basically Uh, i
0: I have i'm not to compete with you (laughs) but like since i don't do videos i have a gif uh breakdown of every time the tesseract is using the mcu that will be up on VanityFair.com if you want to
1: look at that wow showing me up John no, Robinson. I just
0: I just watched all the uh, all the Marvel movies and only the Tesseract scenes because I was nice. like kind of interested to see. And I will have to say Captain America is kind of fun if you just what the first one is kind of fun if you just watch the Tesseract scene because it's just Hugo weaving like dial up to 11. Like <laughs> it's so fun. It's really good. So the Tesseract cut, I recommend it.
1: Any other closing thoughts on Captain Marvel? Anything I didn't bring up, anything that you guys really enjoyed or or didn't enjoy you want to point out before we wrap up today? No? Um
0: hmm. I don't I don't think so. It's not too late Marvel to put another song in that fight scene.
2: I know, right? <laughs> save yeah, save that scene,
1: please. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, well, I, I think it's a movie we all had fun with and uh, wouldn't feel bad about recommending. It's definitely a worthy contribution. And yeah, it got, it got me pumped for Avengers Endgame, which, you know, I don't think that was the sole purpose of the movie, but it was definitely a purpose of the movie. And to that extent, I think it really achieved it. I really want to see uh, how Captain Marvel takes on Thanos. I really want to see how they solved all the problems that you you brought up about there being a Superman and... and uh, uh, making the other Avengers inessential. So, yeah, we'll see. A lot of a lot of interesting things up ahead. Avengers Endgame is going to be very consequential, I think. It's just
2: so amazing. I know I say this every time a Marvel movie comes out, but I'm going to say it again. It's just so amazing to live in a world where you have this kind of $150 million serialized storytelling. You know what I mean? Like, this is an episode, and the next episode of this serialized story that is done at a scale <laughs> that you don't get in any other serialized storytelling. It's, it's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I did Multiple
1: it. times a year now too, like three, yeah. three to four times a year now. So, uh, and
0: then we don't know what comes next. Like that's kind of fun too. Right. Yeah. But like, yeah. um, well, let me share a really quickly, a fun anecdote from the captain Marvel junket, which is like a lot of our friends, including like Peter Serretta were there and they were all like all the, all the guys, I will just say guys, And I saw no ladies in this conversation, and that's fine. There were plenty of ladies there, but like all these guys who regularly talk to Kevin Feige we're like comparing notes. Like, what did he say about this? Oh, did he say anything about this? Like, and you know, Feige is just a master at saying nothing, but making you feel like he said so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter and I were talking about this. You like, you, you're, you're nodding and you're like, yeah. Oh, Kevin Feige's giving me the good shit. And then you go home and you listen to your, tr- your, your recording. You're like, Oh no, he gave me nothing.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> we should say Kevin he Feige, it, right? yes. the, Kevin Feige is oh. the, the mastermind of the entire MCU and the producer right. of this film. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, of Marvel Studios, yeah. so anyway, um, we don't know what comes after Endgame by design. Marvel Studios is not one to tell us. We know a few things. There's gonna be a Black Panther, too. That's something yeah. we know, yeah. We know Spider Man's coming Spider-Man out Man a few months later,
2: out. yeah, yeah, yeah. Spider
0: Man, but like
2: that's but that sick Gwen
1: Stefani song. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there you go,
1: yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so I'm really psyched for the next uh, few MCU movies and uh, I, I, Endgame, man. Like, it's gonna be earth shattering. Jeff, it's, it's gonna melt your mind. I, I it's gonna I, melt my mind. I, I hope it's good. I hope it's good. I think it's probably gonna be good. Um, but one of Endgame the most... is like is
2: like a reason not to die for me
1: right now. Wow. <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: I mean, I have children too, have so children and a wife, but you yeah. know, uh, but it's also really, Endgame. Uh, <laughs> end game actually i saw this news article about um old people not huh? wanting to die because they want to see the muller report come out uh, <laughs> which i just thought was like That's wow their like,
0: end game
1: yeah that is, that <laughs> is their good. end game so but
0: here's what's crazy by like june of this year probably we'll have the series finale of the muller report <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the series finale of game of thrones <laughs> And Avengers End Game yeah. will all happen, and then which we will be.
2: Th- which one do you think of as the biggest <laughs> chance to be disappointing, everybody?
0: Um, <laughs> and then we'll be by disappointing. And empty. I mean,
2: I mean for our democracy. Yeah, one, one
1: yeah, of I them. Know. Yeah, go ahead, Joanna.
0: Well, I know he's obviously talking about Game yeah. of
1: <laughs> One of them is going to cause the end of the Republic. <laughs>
0: And one of them's the Mueller report. And um, the other one's yeah. the Mueller report, right. That's
1: right. <laughs> one of them will cause rioting in the streets from people unsatisfied. Yeah. And the other one's the Mueller report. Yeah. Anyway, okay.
0: I think we of- workshopped that joke to perfection. Yeah.
1: We got there. <laughs> Nailed it! I was trying to go with a... Uh,
2: one of them will, uh, you know, attempt to unite a bunch of disparate factions. <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> yada, others, yada yada
0: yada.
4: The other is
1: Game <laughs> of <laughs> of <laughs> Two of them, two of them will unite. Distant factions. Okay, whatever. This is bad. It's become bad now. Yeah, it's bad now. All right. Uh, well, that's our review of Captain Marvel. Uh, thanks for listening and hope you enjoyed it. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next time. In the meantime, John Robinson, where you can you find more of your work on the internet this week?
0: Um, you can find me on the Still Watching Podcast, the Storm of Spoilers Podcast, the Little Goldman Podcast, and com, and Twitter at Joe Wrote This.
1: And also, uh, we're going to be doing this Game of Thrones podcast as well. What is it called? It's called The Cast of Kings.
0: Oh, Cast of Kings. Got it.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Can I just say, I am officially very jealous of you, Dave, that you get to podcast with her on a weekly basis. Uh, She's a delight.
4: Uh, Jeff! I agree. I agree. agree. Um, Oh, wait, you're still here? You weren't supposed to hear that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jeff.
0: Next time, do it in limerick form. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're going to find more of your work, Jeff.
2: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I have a video game podcast that's called DLC. You can find it wherever you get podcasts or by visiting 5by5.tv slash
1: DLC. Uh, I have a new video out with the filmmakers of the science fiction movie Prospect uh, about how difficult it is to make a good sci-fi helmet. Uh, a lot of challenges that go into it. It's very interesting. Shouldn't appear out of nothing. Uh, yeah, what, what did you say, Jeff? <laughs> Shouldn't appear out of nothing. I don't get. It. What do you mean? I was, I was
2: talking about that for like the two ten minutes earlier in the show.
1: Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you watch this video, Jeff, you'll understand why they made them nano things that appear out of nothing because that's just a lot easier to do. You know. Than actually building a physical thing that goes in your head. Um, But youtube.com slash Dave Chensky, that's Dave Chen SKY, that's where you can find that video and all of my other videos. Uh, And I'll be making a couple of videos per month in 2019. So check that out. Uh, Thanks for listening. Next week, we'll be discussing Triple Frontier, the new J.C. Chandor movie that's going to be premiering on Netflix. Uh, So yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Oscar Isaac, Ben Affleck, uh, Heavy Hitters. I'm actually going to try to see that movie in the theater. Do you, guys, uh, do you hear that that movie's gonna be in the theater? Um, is it? Yeah, I think it, I think it is. I'm gonna try to see it in the Take theater. That's Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed.
0: Uh, my friend Richard Lawson uh, is calling that movie "Back Tattoo," the movie. So because uh, <laughs> I think see- they all got it. Tattoo they were all like frolicking on a beach with back tattoos, I think. So, I see. Okay. Has he uh, anyway. seen
1: the movie or is it just his take from the trailer?
0: No, it's just like from the paparazzi photos of like it's like Charlie Hunnam, right? And stuff so, yeah. like that. Like they were they were all like shirtless frolicking on a beach in this one day and the paparazzi got them and so yeah. Back tattoo the movie. Um uh no. He's not knocking the movie itself. I'm sure it's a masterpiece. <laughs>
1: <Right. laughs> Fair enough. I mean JC Chandler's last two movies have been pretty good. Uh what he did all is lost and uh, I feel
0: mixed on J.C. Chandar,
1: personally, but... I um, thought Margin Call was very bad, but I thought All is Lost and Most Violent Year was pretty good. All right, well, that's it. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks.
2: <laughs>
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Slash Filmcast After Dark, uh, where we talk about a variety of random topics. Now couple things i want to point out first of all davindra and jeff are here for this after dark uh and uh davindra we missed you for the captain marvel review that listeners just heard but glad to have you on the after dark
4: through the power of time travel in a 90s (laughs) pager i'm here
1: that's right very good (laughs) nice i like that reference um so uh i i saw a complaint not really a complaint but like a um an observation in the slack film cast at slackfilmcast.com, people are saying, like, hey, the After Darks recently have been about movies. Like, we have reviewed Russian Doll. We reviewed, we reviewed Burning. We want um, more bullshit. Yeah, we, we <laughs> want more, like, completely pointless stuff. We uh, want just...
2: to be able to shut the show off when the
1: After Dark starts. <laughs> so we're going to deliver that to you right now for this After Dark, uh, which I'm going to spend most of the time talking about my new television. Okay. So after literally months of checking... Uh, the the prices on various deal websites and checking Black Friday deals. Black Friday deals. So that's like four months ago, five months this ago, <laughs> um, literal months
2: after ago. after literal years of waiting.
1: Uh, yeah. So <laughs> my last TV I purchased was like six, seven years ago. It was a. A 50-inch plasma TV I got when I first moved to Seattle. So if you, if listeners remember me moving to Seattle, that's when I first bought that TV, right? The, so it's so old; they don't even make plasmas anymore, right? They, mm-hmm. they, it's literally discontinued. You cannot acquire. But you were
4: wise enough to choose the best technology at the time for your big TV. That's right, right.
1: and I gotta say, like plasma still looks great; like it is is still a, a great TV, and mm-hmm. and uh, better than many OLED TVs, I would say. Um, so, or LCD
4: TVs. Yeah,
1: mean? LCD. Um, oh yeah, you're right. L- LED, yeah. right? TVs yeah. is what I meant to say. Sorry, not OLED TVs. So um, I recently acquired uh, an LG C8 television. Um, I acquired it for $2,000. Uh, the price on Black Friday was $2,600, dollars um, Well done, so, sir. So I was yes. like waiting. I was just waiting. I was like, one day it's going to drop to a price that I find to be acceptable. And then finally I saw it and I'm like, I'm going for it. It was a reputable dealer, BNH.com. Uh-huh. $2,000. I'm like, I'm going for it. I'm going to go for it, Right and i went for it and it showed up and uh it is spectacular but i want to tell you the story of
4: uh what happened when the box arrived right uh which is that uh, this this sounds like it'll be similar to a jeff story of when his tv box it's, arrived. It's, it's it's
1: it's extremely similar it's ex-
4: <laughs> it's it's painfully
1: similar so um <laughs> So when I when I tweeted that the TV was here, one of our, our listeners—I don't remember who—I apologize—but someone tweeted at me, "Make sure you follow the unboxing instructions, right?" And I was like, "Oh, you know, of course, of course, I'm going to follow the instructions, right? Why, why wouldn't I, right?" And the TV has these like ribbon, like these like not strings, but they're like these like ribbons wrapped around them, like these like um, straps, these plastic, yeah. yeah, these plastic straps wrapped around it, right? Yeah. And so I cut them off. Uh, and, uh, and what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to cut off the straps, uh-huh. which is like keeping the whole TV together. And then you're supposed to cut open the top of the box. And if you were to cut open the top of the box that you would see instructions right there underneath the box, right? Do
4: not pierce. It was, well, yeah.
1: what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to use the box as a table and kind of move the TV ah. out of the box. Place the TV onto the box f- face down. Screw the stand onto the base right. of the TV. Then move it back upright, and then move it into your, um, into right. wherever you. Because the, the screen
4: settings. itself is so thin, it's and so hard th- to it's deal like with. thinner yeah. than an
1: iPad. The screen yeah. is thinner than it's a sixty-five inch screen. It's like thinner than an iPad, and so it's like any like bending or flexing that you do is very possibly gonna break your two thousand dollar investment, right? So, uh, but here's the thing, gents, is um, I cut off those ribbons, and rather than cutting open the top of the box, I just lifted up the top of the box. Right? Nice. I, like, lifted up. David Chan, man who reads instructions. Yes. And I was like, where, um, I don't see any instructions. So, you know what? I'm just going to wing <laughs> it. That's literally the thought that entered my mind. I'm just going to wing it. And what, what could
2: possibly go wrong?
1: So we took the we took the box out, we took the TV out and we gently placed it face down, which was already itself a harrowing experience because like right. you're you're applying pressure to the corners of this TV and you can just feel it like flexing, and you're like, oh, I really don't want it to break. We placed it face down on the floor uh with a, a piece of cardboard underneath, right? That was like flat and it was like protected, and I was like feeling pretty good about this. And that's when I realized that. We had placed it face down in this extremely enclosed area in my house that was not easy to get it out of. And also it was not going to – like I needed to get a TV box underneath it. Um, and this TV box is massive and it was going to be very difficult to get a TV box underneath it.
2: So Right, because you can't put the the stand – you can't attach the stand to the bottom if it's flat against the floor because correct. there needs to be room between the television bottom and the floor to – for the stand to exist.
1: The television bottom needs to hang off of a ledge.
4: Right. Right. And yeah, maybe when, uh, when you do this episode, Dave, maybe you gotta put some like dramatic music under it because mm. this is making for some compelling radio. Yeah. But, but I, let me tell you, <laughs> this is the mission impossible, uh, mission you're doing, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, you'll feel the sweat dripping down your face. <laughs> oh, as I you're did doing this. I did. Yeah. Can I, was... can yeah. I
2: ask you one question before we get too far into this? Yeah. Why not
4: wall mount? Uh, mm. I don't even think
1: it's possible to wall this TV.
4: Like I don't, you, think can't. It's, you it's,
2: can't. Well, it's possible to wall any TV you can buy now.
4: Yeah, you can definitely wall mount okay. There may need to be something separate you have to get onto it, but yeah, you can. Well,
1: the answer to your question, Jeff, is I
4: was too "quote
1: unquote" lazy to even read the correct instructions for unboxing it. So mm, uh-huh. fair enough. Uh, I think the the question <laughs> answers itself. Is my so opinion. after
4: after months of preparation yes after months uh, you, of you get the thing literally checking no prices
1: every day for like four months right uh-huh. like every day checking the prices right for the c 8 and at the at the finish line completely <laughs> dropped the ball completely <laughs> fumbled the baton whatever the correct analogy is well let me just oh. say
4: this is terrifying uh this is a whole scary thing if you end up buying a tv from amazon and i think some other services too uh it, Amazon has great white glove. Get get the white glove treatment. Just let (laughs) them do it. Let them do it. Pay them (laughs) 10 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever. And just let them do it because that's on them if it breaks and they have to take it back and everything. So, you know, that's the best way.
1: So I was able to get my neighbor over here. I was able to get my neighbor over here. Justin. Uh, who really saved my ass. He, like, came in. He saw the situation. He's also a very technical guy. And he, like, he, he's one of those people that he he walks into a room and he starts, like, owning the room. He's like, okay, you do this. I'll do this. This is going to happen, you know? And so he just, like, what we basically did was we lifted the TV straight up off the ground and then yep. slid the box underneath oh. it, which you're not supposed oh, to man. do it three that
2: Three-person job? Three-person job?
4: Dangerous. Two-person this-
1: two, two person job. But it was very dangerous. We got the box on, put the sand on, and then finally everything was okay. But man did you say that was mission
4: terrible. accomplished as it like snapped
1: into place yes it was so satisfying um and then but then like then like the whole time i was nervous like oh did it break i need to like turn it on to make sure it's still good um but uh we turned it on the tv functioned really well and uh this tv melted my eyes <laughs> i mean it is <laughs> amazing it, it is i i it's like you know I, I it's like it's a TV that like recontextualizes all of your previous home theater experiences. It's like I can't believe I was putting up with that experience for so long when I could have had this experience. Right. Yes.
2: This this reminds me I, seeing you on Twitter talking about this reminded me however many years ago it was uh, that the song Blurred Lines came out. Robin uh-huh. Thicke's Blurred Lines <laughs> came out. And it was. Everywhere, right? It was – you could not turn on the radio. You couldn't turn on television. Robin Thicke's Blurred Lines was everywhere.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Really curious time, where this is going. <laughs> yeah, you're going to love this. <laughs> I, I, went, I went home and visited my dad. And while I was there, my dad is like, Jeff, I, you come into the living room. I want to turn on the stereo, and I want to play you this song. It is. You are going to love it. It is so <laughs> – I, know, I I don't know. How I found it. It's you are going it you're going to it's going to blow your mind. It's so catchy and so fun. And you're going to want to dance to it. You got to hear this song. And we go to the living room and he turns on blurred lines really loud. And I'm like, Dad, you're the last person to hear this. You're literally the last person to know about this. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's it. listen. That's listen I, g- I give about-
4: Dave some credit. It's not like he's surrounded by technically minded people <laughs> who've been telling him to make this upgrade forever. um during this whole purchase process. I will say, uh D- Dave, your wife was uh, messaging me on Twitter it was like, i I don't know what to do with this guy. He just can't make a decision. It's great, not not to outer too much, but that that is the situation we were in with David Chen. <laughs> I'm very happy that this Dave is done. Wait, over. wait, so Jeff, in this
1: formulation, I'm the last person to discover OLED TVs? Sure, what's OLED
2: TV is to Dave Chen as blurred lines is to my dad. I see, I see. <laughs> I see. You, you are <laughs> like, you guys, you will not and we literally have been telling you for years. Okay, <laughs> get out of this OLED. Yeah. You guys, you guys. It melted my eyes. And Davinder and I are like, Yeah,
4: yeah. We know. So, so um, are you happy you're happy with your TV day?
1: I'm I'm going to say I'm extremely happy with it. Of course like price drops are happening left and right now for this thing.
4: Mm-hmm. Um you can easily acquire for $2000. And, and you, you got the C8 so that was last year's model. I will uh, I the, the new models are great. The series are great but not a huge leap. Right
1: honestly. for uh, yeah. the C9 you're talking about right? Yeah, yeah. the C9. Um, so like last
4: year's models are fine. I've actually been
1: considering getting a B8 which is the pre like the worse model than the C8. You can't do HDR. Mm-hmm. And, and like HFR at the same time or something like that. But like other yeah, than that, that.
4: That's like 120 Hertz. Like that who knows when you'll even have to deal with that. Right,
1: exactly. Like- so I, I've been thinking of getting a BA just like to have a cheaper one for the living room um, that will still have the really good uh panel quality. But mm-hmm. uh I'll just say a few observations. First of all, like uh movies I wanted to try out on the the device. Um Mad Max Fury Road. Uh uh-huh. Mission yeah. Impossible, yeah. The yep. Matrix. Right. And I have like 4K Blu-rays for all this and like I could finally use them. Uh, and those are all great things to try out. Roma in 4K on Netflix. Frickin incredible. Right. So I'm like I feel like I'm seeing movies in a new way before and seeing them in a way that's superior to many theaters even. Right? Yes. Like I get a better, yeah. better theater experience at home. Than at the theater itself. So it Mm -hmm. it is incredible.
4: Because it's brighter. It's more controlled. And few theaters have HDR. Unless you're at a Dolby screen. Yeah, unless you're at a Dolby Cinema.
1: Like, you you know, sometimes the HDR is even better. I will say this. That uh, for the longest time, I thought that my 4K Blu-ray player on my Xbox was a piece of crap. Because (laughs) uh, all the colors looked super washed out and stuff. Uh, Uh but it turns out that it was simply because I had not activated the HDR setting on the TV, which I was like, Why doesn't that come on by default? But anyway, it should, it's It's a weird thing. Yeah,
2: Yeah. that's a really good public service announcement. I ran into that problem too. You Google your television and HDR, (laughs) no matter what television you got, because chances are you're going to need to do a few extra steps to make sure it's
4: make sure all the settings, make sure white color gamut, all that stuff is set up for each HDMI input. Also. If you have an Apple TV or whatever, make sure that's also outputting the right signal. Um, Because I know a bunch of folks like maybe uh, I've seen people's TVs where they're just on like 4K SDR or something on Apple TV. You got to get the HDR or or Dolby Vision if your TV supports it. Get that turned on. Well, what's amazing. I I love
2: the fact that my television has a little uh, glyph that comes up when mm -hmm. HDR is activated. So it tells me it's on i really, I really appreciate that.
1: I got a Dolby, a I got a Dolby Vision one too. Like when it's like Dolby Vision, it's like, oh wow, I'm watching Dolby Vision right now. Um, you know what's great though is you know that public service announcement that Chris McQuarrie and Tom Cruise had about mm-hmm. uh turning off the soap opera effect on your TVs, uh, motion smoothing, turning that off on your TVs. That actually plays at the beginning of the Mission Impossible Blu-ray. So like when you pop, <laughs> awesome. when you pop the disc in. They, so they tell you yeah exactly Listen, turn off they have the power sign. to do that it's amazing yeah. it's amazing and bravo and I'm, I'm so grateful for that um so i'll just also say yeah i bought it for two thousand dollars you'll probably be able to get it for cheaper this year uh thus making me feel stupid but uh, like but, it's, but
4: dave so where where's this tv living is it in your office it's Does in the, the man, man cave living? yeah it's in the man cave office that area. is astounding to me because you got <laughs> first of all i've been in that room that room is the size. It, it's a small bedroom. It's and very you small, sixty-five inch. Why is that not in your living room? Come on. Dude. Um. Yeah. Let your wife it's get some of the joy. It's here. a very
1: intense negotiation. Trust me. So, <laughs> um, but uh, I I will also say like I'm very impressed by the C8 software as well. Like, yep. Uh, it's um, it's like a Palm OS software or something, Web OS, whatever the hell it is. But yep. it basically has all the apps you need. Um, the only thing it doesn't have is like Apple TV, iTunes, movies, but like Prime Video, Netflix, like anything you want is basically on the TV itself. So uh, really impressed with the look of it, really impressed with the interface, uh,
4: really bummed I didn't get the TV earlier, <laughs> um, but it's it really bummed I didn't read the instructions. You saved it, a lot of money. Like, because yeah. if you got the 65 inch for around 2000 bucks, that's a that's a great, great deal, uh, much lower than the Black Friday deals we've seen. And I paid, uh, what was it, like 2007, I think. I paid around 1800 for my 55-inch, mm. which was fine in my apartment, like, living room. But at this point, it's like, I I need some of that bigger action. Like, I don't even want to turn on my projector anymore because, like, yeah, the OLED just makes everything look so much better.
1: You know, you know what's crazy is the, like, uh the 75, the 65 inches is around $2,000. The 75-inch mm-hmm. TV, same model, is, like, $4,800, right? Yep. So you get Not two 65-inches for the price of 175-inch. Not um, worth it. Yeah. Well, how many how much larger do you think the seventy five inch TV is than the sixty five inch? Because the answer might surprise you. It's uh, a little over forty percent larger. Yep. yep. So it it, it is deceptive, a sixty five to seventy five comparison. But anyway, I'm super psyched with it. Wanted to tell you all about it, and uh I had a feeling you'd make fun of me, which you did. So uh <laughs> I think everyone got what they wanted out of this conversation, right? Yeah, it's all
4: good, felt yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. Uh any closing thoughts, Davindra? Um, yeah, people keep asking me about uh, which TVs to buy. This is why yeah. I always say OLED. Um, there, there are some great LCD TVs out there, and you'll probably get a much better deal. I actually just replaced the the one in my bedroom. I have like a little 40 inch TV there. There was a furniture mishap, and that TV died. So I just picked <laughs> up a Roku TV uh, for like 300 bucks. That was 40 inches. And then Amazon was telling me, you know, if you just if you, you want slightly less picture quality, you could get a 50 inch for 300 bucks, and that's insane to me. It is insane how cheap these things are getting, but yeah, you could get a great 65 inch uh, LCD with Dolby Vision HDR and everything for around 500, 600 bucks now too. So if you want to upgrade, you have many options. OLED is just the best one.
1: All right, well, hope you all enjoyed this very pointless conversation about TVs, and we'll see you next week. Or actually, probably it's going to be a little bit longer because this episode's going to come out earlier than a normal episode does to, to coincide with the release of Captain Marvel. So uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the movie we're going to be reviewing then is, is Triple Frontier. We haven't talked about it yet, but it's probably going to be Triple Frontier. So that's that. All right. Thanks all. Bye.
3: <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, why not try Rethinking Business, a new podcast series brought to you by Nat West. Join me, Piers Linney, as I meet inspiring business leaders who are doing things differently, disrupting markets, overcoming challenges and bouncing back when things don't go to plan. We'll hear how perceived barriers can be turned into advantages and how the journey to success is not always as you'd expect. My guest this week is Freddie Garland, founder of the subscription florist,
2: Freddie's Flowers. I think having someone who is able to advise you is critical. So, you know, I had Keith Abel who started Abel and & Cole and who I used to work for. So we were
1: learning very quickly. He knew I could sort of do it and it's essential to have a, a good sounding board for, for when you've got a question. You know, I, th- I think that's really important when starting out is that there's someone who you can ask advice from. That's Rethinking Business brought to you by NatWest.
3: Subscribe now on your favourite podcast app.